This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about reassurance, and we're also going to be talking about insecurities. So I don't know about you, but kind of throughout my self-healing journey, um, I've been very confused sometimes about reassurance, right? Um, There are some people and they'll talk about it. And, you know, when someone needs reassurance in the relationship, it's seen as a red flag. And then other times people have talked about how there are needs for reassurance um, due to some insecurities that come up for all of us sometimes. And so reassurance is a very positive part of how we interact in our intimate relationships. And over time, I have been able to kind of see both aspects. Sometimes a a need for reassurance can be, uh, you know, when, when you have kind of an over need for it, it can be seen as an area where you need to grow and you need to work on yourself. But it can also be a very natural and normal thing for us in our relationships. So um, we are going to be talking um, about that today. And this actually kind of came up for me um, because of a couple of books I have been reading recently. And yes, you are correct. They are romance books, um, but they are also, I don't know, they were, they were really fantastic. Um, the first book it both are by Liz Tomford. And the first book was called Mile High. And um, it was really great. The uh, female character was a flight attendant. Uh, the male character was a pro hockey player. And it's set in Chicago. And um, it was really wonderful, like the dynamic between the two of them, the way that she creates these two different people. But at the same time, what I found really interesting was she talked a lot about each person's insecurities, each person's kind of mental health journey as well. Um, And then I also read the second book, which is um, about the, the girl in Mile High. It's her brother who happens to be a famous NBA player, and then um, her best friend, who was also a flight attendant at one point uh, for the hockey team. And, um, you know, in in that relationship, the insecurities, of course, were a bit different. Um, But what I find really interesting is that we all face times where either we're a little bit insecure due to maybe our childhood, um, maybe due to past relationships, right? Where something has kind of come up for us and someone treated us in a way that really kind of makes us second guess ourselves. And I thought that both of these books um, were really, really spot on. It really brought a lot of things forward where in healthy relationships, we can really see the person for uh, you know, beyond just, you know, the the thing that they're struggling with. And, uh, you know, in the first book, um, Mile High, um, you know, the female character, she struggled with a mom who saw herself and her twin brother very differently. And um, this was a woman who, um, you know, the, the female character, she struggled sometimes with her body weight, and what other people thought about her body. Um and sometimes needing reassurance from that. And the male character, uh, he had a mother who abandoned him, basically. But he also felt a bit abandoned by his father. Um, because his father, although he stayed, uh, really, you know, worked a lot extra to make up for his mother's income uh, after she left. And kind of his road back to, you know, distancing himself from his mother, but also his road back to a, a relationship, a healthy relationship with his father. And in the second book that Liz Tomford wrote is called The Right Move. And um, the female character had been cheated on. And 
she tended to be one of those people who overgave a lot. She was always giving to everybody else. And so uh, the male character really helped her learn how to grow, learn how to take for herself, uh, put herself first at times. And then the male character, although he he had the uh, same, um, he was twins with the, the female character in Mile High, um, but he really, he struggled a bit with his fame. Um, he struggled a little bit with women using him, right? Um, using him for his money, for his name. Um, and so he went through um, a really challenging situation when he was very young in college, where a woman had um, kind of pretended that her pregnancy was his, and she dated him for that reason. And so he really, he really struggled to trust. And what I found in these both of these relationships was there were times when both of the characters or all four of the characters really uh, in both of the books needed reassurance. They needed love. They needed comfort. They needed these things. And, you know, it, it strengthened the relationship a lot and the insecurities were lessened in the healthy relationship with someone who was able to understand them better, but they also had to kind of get themselves there. They had to really kind of work through some things. And I found that to be really interesting because a lot of times on this podcast, I will talk about there's a difference between being, you know, having hyper independence and also being very uh, dependent on someone, right? We want something more in the middle. Um, In a healthy relationship, yes, we're independent. We go after what we want, but we're also dependent on someone, which of course, let's be honest, I think for everybody there's a bit of fear there. Um, it's scary, right? Because this person that, you know, although you want to be really close to, they also now have the ability to really break you, really destroy you. They they know these deep things about you. Um, yet somewhere in the middle where we're not completely dependent on the other person in an unhealthy way, yet we're also independent and we go after what we want in life. There's this interdependence, And what I have found is that reassurance is really part of that. And in the interdependence, we can also really work on our deepest core wounds. Um, And out of that is really created the conscious relationship because it's a safe place. You know, we're still going to argue. We're still going to struggle from time to time. But we also have a person who has our back. And uh, one of the things that I find really interesting is doctors John and Julie Gottman um, talk a lot about one of the most fundamental things about a healthy relationship, healthy partnership or healthy marriage is the friendship, is the ability to lean on someone. And, you know, I, I think that that really brings in, you know, we all want the conscious relationship, right? Even if we don't know really how to get it. So, I, you know, like I said, these these books, they kind of brought up a couple things, really beautiful stories about, and very deep, which I really appreciate. Didn't skim the surface, really went deep, um, you know, that, that really kind of moved into what does trauma look like? Uh, what does, you know, some of our our mental health ups and downs and battles. Um, you know, what do, what do insecurities look like? Um, these partners were very good at, for the most part, minimizing insecurity. Now, of course, some angst was created because of some miscommunication. Of course, it's a, it's a romance book. Um, and much more like real life, to be perfectly honest. And then also this kind of reassurance. So I wanted to kind of dive deep into reassurance. Because again, for a long time in my own mind, you know, I would hear very differing sides. And so I think that we can hold two different truths. And the juxtaposition between those two truths, right? Like, there is something as too, like, a red flag of of needing too much reassurance, right? We need to do a lot of our inner work. And then also just kind of the normal, healthy kinds of reassurance that are needed in relationships. So 
What is reassurance? In the kind of psychological setting, right? Therapeutic, um, you know, kind of setting as well. Reassurance is basically, um, I guess you could call it a technique um, that's really used as a means of support to encourage someone to explore their personal relationships and feelings. So as a result, this allows one's anxious thoughts to diminish. It's an important tool um, that we use in our relationships to really understand what we're feeling, uh, what we're experiencing. Um, when we talk about reassurance for a romantic relationship, reassurance can be a very powerful uh, tool in helping a partner feel heard and seen um, when it comes to kind of the worry in their life. And our response, our reassurance, giving our reassurance to them, to our partner, can really provide a sense of understanding and empathy. Um, and, and this is really, I think, what reassurance looks like to a lot of people, rather than false reassurance, which might sound more like, oh, well, there's nothing to be stressed about. I think real reassurance is listening and hearing and saying, yeah, I, I know, like, that hurts, that sucks. Um, that's, that's a, like, let, let's, let me hold you. Let me, um, let me let you know kind of what a wonderful person you really are. And what I find really interesting as well is that, uh, particularly when we look at attachment style, right? Attachment theory, the ability to give care to each other is a fundamental part of establishing intimacy and a secure relationship. Now, if you have an insecure attachment style, it can be um, a very big struggle, right? Um, avoidance will really struggle with feeling whether or not they can give care, whether or not they know how to give care. They can feel very overwhelmed. Um, but those who are anxiously attached can um, overgive, right? Overcare for someone um, in an attempt to kind of get something in return to either get their their anxiety kind of under control or to um, kind of overlove someone um, because that's the only way that they knew um, how to kind of share uh, or give love. But you know, in a relationship, if a person experiences problems, or maybe there's even a lack of reassurance between themselves and their partner then what happens is they will signal their partner. And in a secure relationship or a healthy relationship, the partner responds and the other partner's anxiety is reduced. Um, their partner is very responsive and respectful to requests for attention. They provide it when it's needed. Um, and also kind of just the right amount. And I, I think that that's one of the differences between, you know, with reassurance, right? Is, are, are we overgiving? Are we giving just the right amount? Are we giving too little? Because again, if we love and care about somebody, we do want to reduce their anxiety. We do want to reduce the stress of, you know, um, some of their feelings of, um, you know, you know, second guessing themselves. Um, you know, a fear or worry of doing or saying something wrong. Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, when our partners can really hold this, when they provide what's needed in just the right amount, they're supportive without being intrusive. Our anxiety is reduced, but also it really results in a climate of trust and, and intimacy where both partners are more physically comfortable and they are able to have these feelings of closeness. And it really reduces the stress and the worry because if a partner is signaling to you that they need some reassurance, it can also increase your anxiety. Oh, something's off. Yes, they need me. 
Um, but you also want to give that so that they kind of move back to, um, you know, kind of a place in their nervous system where um, I like to, to say that they're, they're really kind of operating in the green, right? We kind of have these different levels, um, the, the green, um, the yellow, and the red, right, where we're kind of triggered um, based upon the kind of um, maybe levels of anxiety that we have. And, and so when, when we need reassurance, a lot of times our nervous system is in either the sympathetic system, that's kind of the yellow, or the dorsal vagal system, the red, right? And we want to help our partner or help ourselves by reaching out to our partner um, to kind of move back to the green, the ventral vagal system, deep intimacy, um, social flow, uh, engagement with others, right? We want, we want to kind of move back to that place where our anxiety is reduced, our stress is reduced, and we want to do that for our partners as well. And again, it, it really makes us le- less self-centered and more um, able to exhibit empathy, um, when we are both able to soothe our partner, when they have come to us for reassurance, and when we go to them. And I think that there's a sense of reasonableness and fairness between the partners. Um, that is that it's easier to face problems together. And counting on each other is rewarded. It's rewarded, you know, kind of that, that idea of the team, right? We are doing this together. Um, part of the thing for me, when I think about a relationship that I want to be in, yes, it's someone that I love, but I want to be on a team. Like when, when I'm, um, you know, single and those kinds of things, it's fine. I can take care of my own needs. But when I'm in a relationship, I don't want to be the only one taking care of my needs. Now, I've also got to assess, are my needs... Um, you know, am I operating from a place of uh, needing too much or needing too little, right? Because I've also got to uh, be on my self-healing journey, do my inner work, my personal growth. Um, I've also got to, I've got to learn how to self-soothe. I've got to learn how to take good care of myself. But some reassurance from a partner goes a long way. Um, and counting on each other is very much rewarded within the relationship which is love and trust and respect and reciprocity, right? Uh, doctors uh, John and Julie Gottman in their book, um, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, uh, they talk a lot about something called attunement. The more highly skilled at achieving um, this kind of uh, attunement is, the more resilient their friendship and the more solid and promising their future. So, you know, when we look at something like attunement, that's knowing and understanding your partner really well. It's having a very positive rapport, um, a deep friendship, mutual respect, enjoyment of each other's company. But you're attuned to their likes and dislikes, their personality quirks, their hopes, their dreams. You have an abiding regard for each other and really express this fondness in not just the big ways, right? Not just the um, tropical vacation once a year, right? For a few weeks. It's really in the small little things, uh, day in and day out, uh, referring back to um, those romance books. Um, the female character in this book was much more extroverted. Um, so she would sometimes do maybe some bigger gestures, um, sometimes, but she, she, actually I shouldn't say that she personally didn't always do big gestures, uh, for the guy that, um, the, the male lead character in the book, but she was used to getting used to the big gestures of her former uh, boyfriend, right? But he would also tear her down in a lot of ways try to keep her small. Oh, well, you know, we're going to meet with my work colleagues and, um, you know, they're not the kind of men who like to hear your opinion. So just, you know, kind of keep it quiet. And, you know, uh, this guy, um, you know, her boyfriend, who's the basketball star, he does little things, right? She's a vegetarian. So 
when he, um, you know, made his, um, uh, shopping, you know, orders and whatever, cause he'd have things delivered. Um, he just make sure that there was vegetarian bacon and, and little things for her so that she had something to eat. When she first moved in, part of that is, you know, forced um, proximity, of course, creating a lovely um, dynamic within the uh, within the romance books. I, lo- I always love a, a bit of good forced proximity. Um, she moves in and she didn't have a bed to begin with. So he buys her this bed, like a nice bed. She is someone who drinks coffee in the morning, but she absolutely hates hot coffee. So he would do this thing in the book where he would make the coffee and she would get up later. She was a flight attendant, um, you know, for the, for the pro hockey team. And so, you know, they had uh, different schedules a lot. He, a lot of the time would be up earlier um, because he, you know, had practice or whatever. Sometimes he was not up earlier because, you know, he um, obviously had a traveling schedule as well, but he would do this thing where he would make his coffee, his hot coffee. And if she wasn't up, he would make, you know, he would take the rest of the coffee and pour it into her little, um, she had this like pink cup and he put it in the fridge. So it was already cold for her. And he said, well, you know, I didn't want the ice to dilute, you know, cause, cause you would make it, make the coffee and then you'd have to put ice in it to keep it cold or to get it cold. And so he said, you know, I didn't want your coffee to be diluted. And again, small gestures, right? little things. Um, her, in the book, her father was a, um, he was deaf and, you know, he asked her, um, the, the love interest, the basketball player asked her at one point, um, you know, how does one go about learning, uh, sign language? Uh, and she said, well, you know, I could teach you whatever. And unbeknownst to her, he would FaceTime with her mom um, you know, once a week, every Tuesday afternoon, so that he could learn some sign language. And she, at, at one point in the book, no one had ever done that. No other man, no other guy that she had dated, or even friends in her life had done that. Well, those are just small things. Now, of course, she did a lot of things as well. And I won't, I won't go too far down that rabbit hole. But it, it's really the little things being in tune with somebody else. And part of attunement, of course, is providing some reassurance from time to time. So when we, when we reassure, or when we are reassured, it's easier to face our problems, and we can face them together. We don't feel, you know, we feel connected, right? We don't feel like there's a wall or a divide. And in the relationship, we're still having to do our own thing we're still having to provide everything for ourselves. And of course, you know, this kind of reassurance, uh, you know, in kindness, um, it, it, it really creates emotional stability. And that emotional stability results in satisfaction, where both partners feel understood, validated and loved. Um, funny enough, of course, if there is no response to the signaling that the partner does, then the partner's anxiety increases and the signaling becomes inconsistent. So then you kind of get into the whole, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't always know when you need something because if you're not able to reassure, then you know, or if you don't catch on to those uh, kinds of things when your partner needs you, they're going to do it a lot less. They're going to become more hyper-independent. Um, or they may come become a little bit more overbearing or, you know, needy or clingy or, you know, um, you know, really struggle with um, some contempt in the relationship. Maybe even, um, you know, uh, some criticism. And those, of course, all work against closeness and connection, of course, based upon how we do it. So let's look a little closer at how normal it is to ask for reassurance. Again, all of us at some point have had experiences of doubt and question. And being able to ask our partners for reassurances, as we talked about, it's both courageous of us 
And it's also very powerful. It's also very courageous of our partners to be able to respond. It allows us to be vulnerable with each other and feel the positive interaction and validation and healthy, I would say a healthy expression of validation. Um, and, you know, express ourselves in a very healthy way with our partners, especially when we have those moments of doubt. We all have doubt. Um, again, one of the, the places for, uh, you know, uh, I know the, the term conscious relationship is tossed around a lot, uh, particularly on social media and that kind of thing. And that's wonderful, but do we really understand what it means? It doesn't mean that everything is perfect. Certainly doesn't mean that we don't argue or have conflict. In fact, having conflict in relationships is a sign of a healthy relationship. We're, we're bringing it to the surface. It's how we, how we choose to share, how we choose to interact, right? That's, that's, um, incredibly important. But we all have doubt. We all have insecurities. Um, and some of those insecurities are going to shift right? Some of those insecurities come from childhood and we really need to kind of get to the root of those. Um, and a lot of, you know, insecurities as, as someone in their, in their late thirties, um, there's been insecurities that have popped up for me because of the relationships that I've had, right? Uh, there's doubt, um, you know, there's, there's some of those worries, right? That come up and, in the conscious relationship, the other partner doesn't put the partner down for having doubt. They reassure, they show them that, you know, that, um, that we matter that, um, or we show them that, that they matter. Right. And I, I think that this really leads to, you know, getting our core needs met. Um, Reassurance is one of those core needs. Um, I think that successful relationships come down to basic questions about our core needs. What do I need in a relationship in order to feel loved, happy, fulfilled, and secure? What do you need in a relationship to feel the same? Are you willing to meet my needs in this relationship? Am I willing to meet yours? Because um, reassurance is meeting a need. And I think that, you know, in those moments of doubt, when, when we have doubt or when our partner has doubt, we like receiving the affirmation that says we're valued and we're loved by our partners, partly because that is one of the closest relationships. And if they cannot show that in return, then we also begin to doubt that, doubt whether or not we are valued and loved. Um, now at the same time, um, there, there's kind of the opposite side of the coin and there does come a point where too much reassurance is, is being sought either by us or by our partner. This can also impact our relationship. Now reassurance itself is normal in any relationship. Um, you know, words of comfort. Um, they feel good. They're very natural. Um, they're expected, particularly periodically, but, you know, I think it also can depend on love languages, right? I'm definitely a words of affirmation person. Um, I've said this multiple times on the podcast. Yes, it's very nice to be like, uh, for a partner to say, wow, you look really good today, or, you know, um, you look really hot. That's nice, but other deeper words of reassurance or, or, uh, words of affirmation, right. Um, are much more meaningful to me. Um, you know, when, and it's more than just praise, it's kind of that deeper psychological, spiritual kind of connection. Um, when someone is sharing that they deeply care about who you are as a person, that they think fundamentally you are really exceptional. Um, yes, you have good and bad parts of you, but you know, there's, there's this need for both of us to reassure one another. But I also think that 
when we seek it out continually. I think sometimes that can mean that there's more beneath the surface. So this is kind of where, you know, sometimes people will say reassurance is a good thing in the relationship. And other times people will be like, no, it's totally a red flag, right? So I think really getting to the heart of it is, why do I need constant reassurance? If I need, if I do need constant reassurance, that is more of an unhealthy aspect to reassurance. So I do think that the need for reassurance can be brought about through our attachment styles. Um, you know, again, attachment style, attachment theory is folk, you know, really focuses on the idea that our earliest relationships, usually with our parents, not always, um, will really set the expectation for how we view other relationships in life. And so, you know, of course, you know, research, some, at least some research, um, has suggested that not being able to have secure attachments early in life can really impact our behaviors and our relationships in, you know, as we age, as we become adults. And so seeking reassurance in relationships can stem from a lot of times the anxieties that our parents do not uh, care or uh, for us uh, or love us in the way that more than we ideally expected them to, because, um, you know, as an infant, I didn't really have any expectations of my parents' love. Um, but I think um, what we really should have received if we had really very emotionally and psychologically um, healthy parents. And so I, I have found that, yes, it can seem like um, anxious people with anxious attachment can, you know, excessively seek for reassurance um, to, uh, again, to really decrease their anxiety about the relationship. Um, it can be very excessive, but in other ways, you know, the avoidant will also do the same. They will do the same by pulling back and pulling away from the relationship to see if the partner will kind of come after them, right? And at either ask them for reassurance or will reassure them when they need to step back, when they need to put distance in the relationship. And I, I find the um, the disorganized attachment. Um, this is when, you know, a lot of times the person um, really seeks a relationship, um, affection within the relationship, but they also really have a reluctance to develop close relationships. Um, that's why they call it fearful. Um, dis, um, disorganized attachment is also called fearful um, avoidance. And what it really means is that d depending on kind of where, you know, how we grew up, how our childhood looked, we can kind of vacillate between, um, needing kind of some excessive reassurance in our relationships. And I think that it is certainly wonderful and important to be reassured in the relationship. I think it's also important to recognize, you know, when there might be too much need within ourselves or within our partners. And I think that we really need to kind of, uh, kind of view our, our patterns, right? Does, does our partner sometimes say this, right? Hey, you know, you're constantly needing reassurance. It may not be a negative thing, um, you know, uh, or they're, they're trying to criticize us necessarily. But I think that it, it's really a wonderful opportunity for us to to really look at our patterns, to really look at, you know, those parts of ourselves that we need to heal. The other aspect of reassurance is not just needing too much reassurance. It's also not seeking kind of a bid for connection. And instead, it is giving pushback 
to any reassurance that our partner might give. Uh, you know, someone with avoidant attachment might come home and um, their partner can clearly tell that something is up. They're off. And then they'll kind of push their partner away, kind of saying, no, no, like, I, I don't, I don't need you. I don't need you to validate me. Um, you know, because again, with their um, parents in childhood or their, their caregivers, their earliest caregivers in childhood, the caregiver wouldn't reassure them, uh, wouldn't validate their feelings, um, wouldn't hold them, right? Either emotionally, physically, you know, um, mentally. And so to get too close to, to actually ask for and expect reassurance from somebody else also leaves them in that place where they might feel like, well, what happens if I ask? And then the partner, you know, my partner does not reassure me, right? And so I think that this is, this is really an important aspect of understanding our needs for reassurance and whether or not it's a healthy or an unhealthy need. Um, I, I think that underneath it all, right, we're really, we're asking for more than just reassurance. We're, we're seeking something else, right? Um, we're seeking something different, something deeper. We certainly don't want false reassurance, right? Um, but we're really looking for maybe even a little bit of validation, a, a little bit of, I guess, understanding of ourselves in those moments of doubt. Do you love me? Um, am I your best friend? I think sometimes our partner or our own need to verify our partner or they verify our love really may stem from, you know, again, past relationships. Um, also our primary caregivers growing up. And I think that when we really look at our patterns, we can see where some of those areas uh, within uh, reassurance really need to be healed, right? I think a lot of times there's a deep fear of abandonment. Um, I think that um, there's also a lot of times um, some some deep, uh, a lot, I guess a lot of deeper wounds within ourselves that we need to take a look at. Whether we are able to whether we refuse reassurance from our partner or whether we want too much reassurance. Again, abandonment. Um, sometimes when our beliefs are very self-limiting, uh, when we fear intimacy, sometimes getting too close, um, or we question that kind of level of intimacy. Um, when we really look at, you know, kind of our, our, our fears of, of rejection, whether that be within the relationship or whether that be outside of it. Um, and I think that some validation within our relationships is not a bad thing, but I do think that we really have to see the patterns, see what those kinds of levels are. And not only, so not only be able to help our partner more adequately respond to us, right? Because either we'd never need anything from them or never want anything from them, or we're asking for too much, right? Um, but we also really help ourselves. The more we take a look at our wounds, our trauma, um, from our childhoods, from past relationships, I think that we really begin to develop a deeper trust in ourselves. Um, we develop deeper trust in our intimate relationships. We become more attuned to our partner's love languages, offering tenderness and appreciation uh, to support our partner's well-being. And funny enough, when we are able to do this, 
this generally results in needing less reassurance. Um, If we notice that even though our partner reassures us, we constantly need more and more and more, right? Or, or we can't, it, it's still constant. Um, you know, the volume is up still real high for us needing reassurance. We need to take a look at ourselves. And then I think when, you know, um, our partner, you know, tries to reassure us when they when they feel like they can connect with us they can love us in that way and we push them away i think what it mean what it often means is that we need to certainly we need to take a look at ourselves what parts of ourselves do we need to heal we are worthy of love and attention and affection and reassurance and connection tenderness right attunement with our partner but they're also going to ask less from us if we never ask from them. Um, they're going to ask for less love and support. They're, you know, uh, they're going to expect less from us. And I think that this really changes our sense of value and self-worth within the relationship Um, because let's be honest, when it comes to relationships, I found, of course, a lot of times either my self-worth can be, I don't know, increased with the other partner, but I increase it within myself. If my partner is reassuring, affirming from time to time, my sense of self-worth is at a very healthy level. Or I've been in other relationships where my self-worth takes a huge hit um, either because my partner um, had not tried to reassure or they had um, really torn me down because I needed anything. So let's look at some examples of reassurance in a relationship. Now, of course, romantic relationships can be quite a bit of work, hard work. Um, But reminding your partner why you love them fosters the stronger connection between the two of you. So you can reassure your partner or be reassured by your partner by, uh, number one, expressing compliments. Complimenting your partner can help them feel confident and supported, certainly in the way that they look, um, but also, you know, the way that they care for you, the way that they care for your home or uh, your children or, you know, your pet. Um, the way that they do a task really well, a you know something at work, right? Wow, you really knocked that one out of the park. Well done, you know, um, and, and doing it in a way that is very authentic. Um, another way to you know create reassurance is spending quality time together. Of course, encouraging words are a key component of reassurance. Actions are also essential. So showing your partner your spouse, um, that they're a priority by making time in your schedule to be with them is incredibly reassuring. Incredibly reassuring. Uh, Being physically present in your relationship reminds your partner that you're there to support them. You're there to listen when they've had a bad day. Um, and, And this is another way, of course, to really support and reassure them. And then uh, the third is verbalizing your love. Um, using phrases of affirmation. Of course, I love you is, is a very uh, common one. Um, but doing it daily. Um, expressing your feelings to your partner. How they make you feel. How they brighten your day. Um, is a really wonderful aspect of reassuring, creating that deeper bond. So I think it's also important to, you know, um, recognize dependence on reassurance in a relationship. So again, as we talked about, although reassurance is an essential part of healthy relationships, relying on constant reassurance is a red flag, right? 
It is something that shows you that either you are a bit unhealthy or that your partner is. Um, you know, it, it can also reveal an unhealthy attachment style. It can also reveal some wounds, um, some trauma that needs to uh, be, you know, really be healed within you or within your partner. So again, as we talked about, assess the interactions and the patterns with your partner. Um, if reassurance takes the place of self-love, either if that's uh, for you um, or for your partner, you know, your partner may depend on others for their sense of self-worth. And in a romantic relationship, low self-esteem and overthinking tendencies can cause a person to rely too much on their partner to feel special. Another is promote uh, self-care in your partner. So one of the ways to reduce your partner's need for self, uh, for reassurance or your own need is for, to either help them or help yourself find outlets for self-care. Small moments of independence and self-love really help both ourselves and our partners gain the confidence to feel secure in, in uh, their relationship with us and our relationship with them. Um, another, uh, of course, way to promote the self-care of both yourself and your partner is also to motivate each other to set really healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries with, um, you know, uh, parents with, um, children, with, uh, colleagues, uh, you know, a boss, um, with friends, with everybody creating very healthy, um, boundaries. And, I think that these are ways that we can really create a, a lot of healthy reassurance um, where, where it's at a healthy level. One person isn't taking too much. One person isn't um, taking too little, right? Um, I think that learning how to reassure ourselves, learning how to self-soothe, is also an incredibly important aspect. I think for me, a lot of times that's uh, through breath work, right? When I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like I need to, you know, call a friend or reach out or whatever, that can be a good thing. But do I just want to dump all of my issues and problems on them? Well, first, I want to be able to breathe through it, regulate my own anxiety, uh, my own stress, um, you know, really reassure myself. Um, and a lot of that is through, for me, it's been through inner child work. I will often think about holding my inner child and saying, you know, kind of like I'm wrapping my arms around little Allison saying, it's okay. Hold on. Let's take some deep breaths. I know that, you know, um, we're in a heightened nervous system state right now. We're feeling anxious or we're feeling like pushing people away. Um, but instead, you know, I've got you. You're okay. We are safe. Um, what do you need? And I, I think that that really causes a lot of reassurance within ourselves. Um, I also think, again, you know, on the, let me go back to the topic of self-care. Yes, we can certainly promote it within, you know, with our partner. Um, I think one of the great ways as well for a partner to maybe take more time for self-care is when we do so for ourselves. It gives us the path to self-love and confidence. Um, it also can be very helpful in minimizing the need to highly rely on others. Um, particularly our partners, and, and really kind of overuse our need for reassurance. So some things that I do for self-care. Um, one of the big things for me is actually financial self-care. Um, I know for myself personally, if I don't have enough money in the bank, or if I'm stressed about something, uh, either stressed with overspending or whatnot, or not saving enough, um, this causes a lot of anxiety. And then I feel the need to be soothed by someone or reassured. Um, 
And so for me, it, it's paying close attention to those kinds of things, making sure that yes, I've got a budget. Um, yes, making sure that I'm saving for my future. Uh, also, yes, making sure some money is going to invest in um, the things that matter to me. Uh, another aspect I really look at as well is, you know, my sleep. Um, am I getting enough exercise? Am I getting enough daylight? Um, sunshine and whatnot. You know, right now, at least in the Western Hemisphere, it is winter. And that can be very hard, uh, I find sometimes on the mental health. Um, am I overworking myself? Am I taking enough time for nature, right? And again, that gets back to um, getting sunlight if I can. Um, if I can't get enough sunlight, um, I will often go to the spa. I usually go about once a week. And I do hydrotherapy, but I also do um, a lot of the, you know, uh, light treatment, right? So not um, tanning the skin so that I age my skin, but the kind of light therapy that allows me to kind of get some some sunlight or, or what would be a natural sunlight in a different form. Uh, you know, if it's cloudy, if it's overcast, if it's been snowing, if it's been raining a lot, you know, whatever, been very cold in the winter. Um, you can also supplement yourself. I, I use a um, vitamin K2 and I think it's D3. Anyway, um, that kind of combination is very nice to kind of keep the the hormones balanced. Um, reading, constantly growing your mindset. Um, you know, taking online courses, doing things where, uh, you are working on healing those wounds. I think that that can be a huge portion of our self-care as well. Um, I know for myself too, you know, just little things. Um, I, I like very nice skincare products. I get my hair done. Um, I get my nails done. You know, those are things that kind of elevate and accentuate my own femininity um, and so when I'm taking good care of myself, not only does it show my partner that that's something, of course, that's important to me, but I think it also gives them kind of the ability to be like, oh, yeah, that's great. You do that. Um, I'm going to do that too. Now, sometimes it can also be the exact opposite. I'm certainly no, a couple of my friends are in relationships right now with men who say that they spend too much or, you know, those kinds of things. So, you know, pay attention to, um, what your partner has to say about that in terms of whether or not they're a healthy person to be with. Anyway, that's uh, just kind of how I feel about that. Um, but again, part of self-care for me is also my mindset. It's also, you know, um, operating from a, a place of abundance, operating from a place of not, um, I wouldn't say like, like, optimism, like an unhealthy optimism, but really kind of um, excited, having joy for the future, uh, joy in the present moment, while healing some things from my past that, you know, constantly need attention and constantly uh, need to be healed. And so for me, self-care is also the mental aspects and the, the self-healing aspects, the um, moving my, my life forward. Um, another aspect of self-care is also the kinds of friendships that you have. Um, I have let go of people in the past when their friendship or their, my proximity to them is not enhancing my life anymore. But I have a, a couple of very close friends that I constantly check in with, that I constantly nurture, um, and they nurture me. And... I certainly do seek reassurance from them from time to time and they re seek reassurance from me. And that can be another really wonderful way to, to kind of cultivate that. Um, so that either you're not only relying on your partner or if you don't have a partner, you, you know, kind of have a wider base of people that you can receive reassurance from and you can also give reassurance to. I think that doing some things now, now this might be more from um, being a feminine woman, um, but 
for me, nurturing is quite important. So whether that's a child, an animal, um, plants, I have a lot of house plants. I like nurturing. Um, another aspect is also my space, right? Uh, for me, cultivating a very uncluttered space, um, but also a very beautiful space that brings me a lot of joy and a lot of rest and rejuvenation is very important. Um, certainly, that can also depend on, you know, your level of income. But there are a lot of ways to, you know, really elevate your space um, that aren't very expensive. And certainly for me with my with my home and whatnot, you know, it's taken time to kind of get it to where I like it to be and I add new things and whatnot. Um, or take away things, right? Donate things um, from time to time. Um, Jordan Peterson talks a lot about, uh, clean your room, right? Um, I forget which, shoot, which admiral, um, crap, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, there's, there's a very famous speech, um, I think it was at the University of Texas, um, by a, a Navy admiral who was a Navy SEAL. And, um, he talks about make your bed. Um, and I think, for me personally, when my life becomes more chaotic, my home needs to become less chaotic. Because even though I work very hard at, at remaining very even keel, you know, in terms of my life, uh, you know, I remove a lot of drama. And so I always joke when there's drama in my life, um, it's called OPD, other people's drama, because they bring that to me. And I'm like, no, no, you get away with you get away from me with that. Um, if it's actual drama, and not just, you know, difficulties in their life, if they're having difficulties, that's very different. Um, but I, I have personally found that when I overwork myself, and um, I, I also tend to pay less attention to my finances. I pay less attention to my environment and my surroundings, whether that be the clutter in my home or whether that is also um, the kind of clutter in my relationships. I tend to take on relationships, especially when I've been in that kind of, um, I guess you could call it a downward spiral for many months. I tend to take on more stressful relationships. So paring down one's life, I, I do a lot of cutting. I cut things out. No, that's not serving me anymore. Um, that can really help me get to a place where I can reassure myself. I can accept reassurance from my partner. And I'm able to reassure my partner when they are going through something tough. Um, and it's not a pushing away where I underutilize reassurance, nor is it a clinging or, or needing excessive reassurance. Uh, and actually, uh, just as a, a kind of a, an ending here, um, that's something I've noticed as well within my own life. When I am not going after the things I want in my life, uh, when I when more than just that, I, I think it's the deeper root of purpose. When my life doesn't have nearly as much purpose, I have personally found that I need a lot more reassurance. Um, this is just kind of something that I have noticed. Um, one of the kind of uh, weekly, maybe monthly emails that I get. Uh, it is a Christian organization. So if that's not your thing, don't worry about it. You don't, you certainly don't have to uh, uh, get involved, but um, it's a group called the Institute for Faith, Work and Economics. And they talk a lot about purpose, um, how to have greater purpose within our relationships, within um, our spirituality or our faith. Um, greater purpose within our communities. Um, the word that gets tossed around a lot is vocation. And I really love that. I really love the idea of vocation, uh, something that's more than just work. Now, granted, there are times in our lives where we need a job and we need to pay bills or we, and we need to, um, survive, right? But 
are we developing that deeper connection to a vocation, a purpose? Now, purpose, of course, can be more than just work and vocation. Um, but when I have found when my purpose is, is being moved forward, um, you know, when I'm having really excellent conversations with people, uh, when I'm limiting drama, when I am doing my self-soothing, self-healing work, when I am doing my self-care, uh, when I am engaged in my life in those ways, I don't, I don't have an excessive need for reassurance. I'm also able to reassure myself. Um, one other thing that I will say is that just really pay very close attention. Be very curious about yourself and your patterns. And I am now much better at noticing when my life has become more chaotic or I'm overworking. Uh, under uh, not only resting, but rejuvenating and restoring myself. Um, I, I'm, I'm able to notice it more. A few weeks ago, I had worked, I think it was two and a half weeks. So almost maybe 20 days. Oh, well, that would be close to three weeks. Anyway, somewhere between 14 and 21 days in a row without a break. And I knew that I was like, hey, you know, this has been really good. <laughs> like I've I've been working really hard. Um, but I'm I'm now overworking myself. That causes a lot of stress. It causes the need to reach out to other people for reassurance more often, rather than kind of operating from a place of being even keel. So those are just some thoughts on that. Um partly to help us understand our own insecurities, um, to help us um, not just create balanced lives, but but create really healthy lives. Um, and to also see that reassurance is important in relationships, um, but we can also, you know, really ask for excessive reassurance or push people away and really say, no, I don't need that. So I hope that this was helpful for you. Certainly one of my goals is to constantly create um, very, very healthy, um, very loving, very deep relationships, certainly with um, our listening community, but also um, within my own life, my friendships, um, my my family, and also my intimate relationships. So I felt like this was um, an important aspect of that. So I hope that this podcast uh, episode was helpful for you. Um, we have released our newest quiz and I'm very excited about it. Um, I've had quite a few women take it, uh, and it is on the three different masculine wounds that you may need to heal as a feminine woman. And, um, that will move forward in the future to also, uh, kind of going towards our new course, which will be again, healing, uh, the feminine healing a lot of her masculine wounds. There will be much more than just uh, the three that the quiz uh, goes through. Um, but I also wanted to invite you over to our Create Love Freedom community. Uh, we are on Mighty Networks now, and I am so excited about that. Um, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback from women um, because they're able to communicate and talk to one another. Um, it's also a platform where I can do monthly live Q and A's, um, which is, which is really important. I usually do it the first couple weeks of each month. Um, but we're doing that over there in our, uh, premium content and our, our paid portion. Um, but it's also a monthly subscription of $29 a month where you have access to our, uh, certainly the Create Love Freedom community, but you also have access to our masterclasses, which are our monthly self-healing topics. And so um, that has been really wonderful. Uh, each month I release a new masterclass and it is complete with multiple videos as well as a workbook. So for you to really particularly if you don't know where to start in your self-healing, um, but also if you just want to kind of constantly, you know, each month get a new topic um, to really kind of say, mm, is that something I need to dive into, right? Um, the shadow self, um, inner shadow work, um, boundaries, 
healing the abandonment wound, self-limiting beliefs, the fear of intimacy, uh, healing your inner child, um, attachment styles. We went through all of them. We also uh, went through Myers-Briggs personality type. And this month in March, we are looking at how to move on after a breakup without closure. And so if that is of interest to you, um, please go to at create love freedom on Instagram and you can click on the link in our bio. And when you click on the link in our bio, you can go directly to, um, members club. And if you click on there, it'll take you to the link, uh, to sign up on mighty networks. And so you can certainly join us there. I'm very excited um, about what we're building over there. And I can't wait to just continue to um, bring a lot of value and have a lot of good discussions. So until next time.